0: Let me tell you a little something about me. When it's Saturday night, I need to blow off some steam. One,
1: two, three, four! Well, I've been holding in since o'clock
0: in Monday morning. At the end of the week, I'm about to blow. The breeze walking to the hockey tongue like a
2: Well, good morning. We're gonna be starting our equipment talk podcast for IRA companies. And we're ready. My name is Ray Henry from IRA Companies.
1: Troy Henry from Brad Software. Logan from
0: IRA Companies and Brad Software. Jordan from IRA Companies and Brad Software. All right. Jordan, what's the first thing on the list? Well, since we gotta talk about the auction last. We can bring up autonomous, heavy equipment. Autonomous. Autonomous. Heavy
2: equipment, huh? Mm -hmm. It's a big word, you know. Yeah. And it's actually what's coming to play with the the whole industry is autonomous. What does that mean? Autonomous means that uh, you don't have to have a guy sitting in a seat, right? Yep. So you don't have to have no insurance on him. You don't have to have a 401k for him. You don't have to have a lot of things for him. But you know the problem is? It's not that they don't want the people in to see what's happening. They want the job done right. No. The workforce is very small, and money. it's getting less and less. It, you know, it's, it is about money, but it isn't, because the thing is that if you turn around, if you look at it, they're willing to put people on to get them into their equipment. But what's happening is there's less and less equipment operators. Because of the era that we're in, and they're not really, you know, those outdoorsy working with dad or grandpa or anything else because these big corporations that have taken over the industry have been, you know, they've been actually bringing people in their train through different colleges and that kind of thing. And um, it's taken away the workforce. And in a lot of places, look at restaurants or something like that. And we won't have to get off to that subject, but it's people. We we gotta force a, I mean, a higher sign in our yard. <laughs> you know, what I mean, why? Because we need some people. You know, it's, it's it's getting less and less people that are not only qualified but are willing to um, take on the position that are needed. Well, I seen like somewhere in Arizona, a, there's a McDonald's
0: there that doesn't have a single cashier.
3: Just, how, it's how does just, it work? Well, it's just they little, just have robot cooks and then they have robot well, cashiers. Well, I didn't know about the robot cooks, but I knew about the, the the kiosks. Same. You know, and, yeah, kiosk, and there's automation all over the industry. This was
0: before kiosks.
3: And you got to ask yourself: Is it going to be replacing jobs?
0: Well, like has taking,
3: to. take it. Like even the uh, the trucks on the road. Like you know how they're trying to get self driving trucks, just like we've got self driving cars.
2: And you know, to be honest with you, it, they're going to take over jobs. Because there's nobody to fill them jobs anyhow. So someone's going to take that job, right? Like a computer. So? Well, you need someone to program that computer. and So we'll still have jobs. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you're You're and in a different era, and you're in a different, really, in a job market. The job market you're talking about is, you know, moving forward into not only programming these autonomous vehicles, but also programming programs that will actually eliminate positions that are needed to do receipts and billings and emails and all these things that need to be done. But you know what? You don't have to have somebody typing up and doing in each one individually. You're going to be programming a program that basically send, okay, check it, check it, check it. One person can do it instead of four.
0: Mm-hmm. I've seen somewhere it's like production, like mass production on this sort of stuff for, like, CAT and Komatsu is, like, around 2023 to 2024. So it's coming up quick.
2: They're saying the mass production on Autonomous? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Komatsu has, we. I mean, we've talked about the mini, the little mini-digger excavator that yep. they used.
2: Mini-excavator? Right?
0: Partnered with Honda. But they actually, Komatsu actually has a bigger one, like a, just like a, not super small, but, you know, we've had one here before. So you're talking like a, a mini excavator. Yeah, they have one that's electric, it's, and it's, I mean, it works. They make them, they produce them, you can well, buy them. Well,
2: you know, they're not much different than electric forklift, right? I mean, your pumps, you've you got a pump, you got a drive motor, you got a pump, and you got something to run it. Kind of, you know, if it's gas engine or if it's electric, you know, it, they're both engines, basically, or motors, and they run just differently, that's all. I mean, they, they're the same but different. Yeah. So, you know, um, I don't know that it does that much more for weight because of batteries, you know, that might be a different deal and storage, but at the same time, you know, it comes down to charging, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So we're still going to need that diesel so we can charge them.
2: Well, you're going to have somewhere. to have a grid somewheres, and if you're out in the country somewheres, you're probably going to have to have yourself something that either has uh, a, an engine to, to charge because, you know, fuel and moving it out there where it's at because of the location, without having a power box there to plug into, uh, you're going to have to have something. And then like, a, like how a locomotive works. A locomotive works, yes, because it has a diesel engine that runs a generator that runs the, basically, the electric motors that run the train. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I was actually doing a little research, and in Canada, they're trying to push the whole concept of electric vehicles. The problem is that they're, none of their power grids are strong enough to to be able to charge all of those power all of those vehicles. And I have a feeling we're going to run into the same problem here, because you have to in order to get that those those big autonomous machines to be able to run. I mean, you charge at what is it a hundred and 100, over hundred watts? I believe is what their their recharge is. So I mean, you're most or I'm sorry, the uh, the amps most most houses can't facilitate it. You'd have to pump in your you'd have to pump in a higher higher grid number, and I mean if we do that to everybody, that's
2: creating well, issues. There's still you know there's still other ways of doing it, and that's you know having something that holds the power, so you're slowly trickle charging, and then you're using that to transfer the power. So you know they do have inverters, and inverters basically hold power, so you don't need as much power when you're pulling power. And it also, uh, they're also talking about some of the homes that you have that you could set in and have a, uh, a grid at home, basically where you have solar panels, or if you have wind energy, or if you're going to have another backup resource for your power. So there's a lot of alternatives. It just depends on, you know, which one's going to be the most economical and, um, and then how much payoff time does it have to really make itself, you know, useful. And also, how much more complicated it will be
3: to work on those types of uh, equipment, because you know it's going to require a lot of knowledge. Even going from a gas engine or diesel engine to an electric engine, or you know electric motors and things like that, um, and that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, well, are the are the companies going to let people even work on uh, the different pieces of equipment and things like that that are electric powered or autonomous and all that proprietary software and everything that goes into making those big vehicles, you know, it's, uh, I think that's a whole, it kind of gets into the old topic of John Deere not letting people work on their own equipment and used to. things like that. Yeah, used to at least.
2: Well, and, you know, let's, you know, let's just face it. We're in a throwaway society, okay? Something doesn't work, they're going to charge you enough that basically if it doesn't work, just either we'll put it somewhere, we'll we'll get it picked up and get it back and we'll re, rebuild it or whatever or uh what's going to happen they will just send you a new one and then you have somebody rehook it up and as things wear out or they go down they're going to know the wear the the wear cycle on on things you know i mean just think back when uh uh GE bought out you know this german company that made light bulbs they said how long do your light bulbs last they said forever they said well that ain't going to work we need them to wear out after about 2000 hours so that way You're not, you know. Number one, we can resell them light bulbs, right? And uh, that's why, you know, when you look at electric vehicle or electric unit itself, typically your your wearable parts are one tenth of a gas-powered or a diesel-powered unit. And why? Because you have way less moving parts. I mean, you got a shaft on a on electric, right? And that turns, and and that's the only thing moving there that's making the that's running that power for you. You run it off from a battery. Is there anything moving in a battery? No. And you have some solenoids. Those are going to move. You know, those are, are movable parts. But you're taking away all that extra movable parts because you've got to face it. An engine is nothing more, gas or diesel, is nothing more than a pump. It's a pump. It pumps air in and out. That's what it does. And what fires that air in and out to make the power is going to be the fuel. So it's pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, but it's more complicated than if you would have electric. Electric is basically a lot more simple. Less maintenance. Also. Less maintenance. Cost-wise, too. You can take your cost factors and drop them right down. The only thing that you have for cost factors or something like that is, is that is that batteries okay batteries expensive well they can be but you know if they're made properly or if we figure some type of a it's power right so if you could figure a power grid that doesn't take the energy that a battery would or something else and it could be a static power then it could change the whole thing too so we don't know what kind of power we're going to have so down the world with all these things that are happening with you know, when you start talking like warp drives and, and all this type of other energy that you're changing the, the you know, basically the functionality, how it works, it's phenomenal. I mean, your mind, if you looked at it and thought about it, you go, yeah, these guys, now this is rocket science, right? Literal rocket I was science. literally rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, you know, you look at NASA, they haven't moved forward in, I mean, years of what Tesla did with you know, with SpaceX and stuff. I mean, save the rocket, right? Nobody else did that. They'd let them go. So it, it cost them way too much every time they took off. And he just, those, those few things. And that's what's happening with the world. It's moving faster and it's going to move faster yet. Cause now what is, what is they saying about electric vehicles? How many electric vehicles do they want in the United States by a certain time. Well, I know California is the practically highest. want
3: to replace
0: all of yeah, the vehicles like, with electric vehicles. Uh, I think, like, Dodge was given a deadline. I know this is kind of...
2: Wasn't it in 37?
0: and heavy, uh, heavy equipment. But What's it was a deadline to be pure, pure right? EV by, like, 2023, I think, or 2022. I thought it was 2026 or something like that. Maybe it was something like that. I'd have to look it up.
2: Yeah, why don't you look it up? Let's give him some facts. Deadline. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Evan, pull that one up. <laughs>
1: Uh, so I, was, I thought there was a federal mandate by like thirty five
2: I think it's I think it is they gave enough time because you know GM hasn't made the mark yet, neither is Ford. um they've made some stuff but they 've not made the mark Toyota's so,
1: behind Volkswagen's behind most of them are behind yeah
2: they're, you know, they're all behind because what they're doing is they're they were they're selling what sells right and they're producing what sells because they have to take care of the supply and demand and right now we're you know all this volume is is going down in the new stuff because they're blaming on chips, they're blaming on this and blaming on that. But I think they're doing is they're saying, we need time. What do we need time for? We need time to retrofit and make things work in the electric world so we can back out of the gas world or diesel world.
3: Yeah, because I don't think anybody can dispute the fact that electric vehicles and electric whatever are a little better than you know gas-powered things just because you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the electricity is coming from somewhere, whether it's a power plant or whatever, but even for maintenance purposes and just, you know, things that regular people have to do with their regular vehicles or even heavy equipment, it takes a lot of that headache out of it and allows you to just do what you got to do, whether it's driving to wherever you got to go or doing a job you got to do. And um, 2024. Yeah, the year is 2024,
2: by the it way. It is. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be a tough mark for him, I'll guarantee it.
3: Oh, I don't, there's no way that they'll replace all that stuff by well, then.
2: I mean, just think if they're telling you right out, hey, you've got to get rid of your vehicles, you know what's going to happen? The government's going to say, hey, we'll buy your vehicles, but we're going to crush them. We're uh, going to give you guys. This
0: wasn't the This is Stellantis, the big people that own Dodge. We're giving Dodge a deadline. Hey, 2024, we're not building any cars. Yeah, that's, or that's just Dodge vehicles. Or Dodge which, said that to them? Which the- that's what Stellantis said to Dodge. They own Dodge.
3: Wow. Uh-huh. There's some big words there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would say that b- before any government entity comes down and does that, I'd say that the manufacturers are going to push for it first. And then slowly and surely, ev- all the manufacturers are going to try to switch over and, and make people start using electric vehicles.
0: I think with these EV companies, they know it's going to have to be a
3: slow change before... You same know, thing, like but everyone. the same thing with the equipment industry. Like they're going to do the same thing. Like
2: well, they're already so, doing it. You know, you take slowly... a caterpillar, the big dozers. Look at the big off-road trucks. Mm-hmm. They're already auto- well, they're autonomous and they're also they're running with you know electric. So yeah, they're doing it. You know, I mean, so it's not like uh, that. They're not and. A lot of times right now, you know, that we don't have the resources to plug in and to do that, they're putting big generators out there, so you back up, you hook up, and maybe it's running a crusher or something, they'll switch it over and run that truck for half an hour or 45 minutes and charge that battery up and put her back on and go again.
3: Well, the thing I like about personally about electric anything is the consistency, you know, like versus a gas-powered car or gas-powered anything or heavy equipment, diesel-powered this, diesel-powered that. The electric motors and electric engines—they can put out more power. They can put consistent power out, but it's just that's the limit. Is like, oh, well, you know what happens when you run out of electricity? Because with diesel and gas, that's the benefit—you could just fill the tank back up and then you're good to go. But with electricity, if you don't have electricity to charge it, or or even do what the locomotives do, where they have a diesel engine or a gas engine powering a generator that's powering electric motors, you know, it's just kind of that—that's a phazy problem that still needs to be figured out because a lot of even a lot of places like even though there's the you know tesla's got chargers all across the country you know heavy equipment operators don't have tesla chargers to go hook up to at job sites and stuff like that you
2: have to keep in mind that you know just like i was saying is that they're going to need a backup generator period yeah um if you're not running off the grid and you're not putting it into batteries there or or some type of an inverter for the you know the charging capabilities you're going to have to have some kind of a Alternative fuel mm-hmm. to fire up and and turn it on as a charger to charge that unit up. Mm-hmm. So I I, you know,
1: I don't I don't know I think it's there, there, this is, this whole thing is kind of a double edged sword because I mean I've got my my little red car seeing as I can't say any official names, but it uh, it runs on diesel. I can make 600 miles on a on a trip. It takes me another minute and a half to fill, and I am back
3: on the road. That red car's a diesel. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You're lying. You know, you know there's you know <laughs> those turbo diesel bugs right. Hey.
2: I it, went and I had you,
3: a You're live li- <laughs> there's no way that thing is a diesel that's yeah. just crazy to me.
2: Yeah. I yeah. get
3: between 600 and 650
1: miles on a on a straight trip. So that means that I guess if your Four
2: average sounds all on but I
1: can I I'm usually more <laughs> get, geared towards it, huh? I was, I'm usually more geared towards mileage so I'm I'm in the mid 50s.
2: I had, I had this well Ford put out back
1: and I could get it to, I could get that vehicle to raise all the way to the mid seventies and higher.
2: Wow. I had, uh, actually a little, um, Ford vehicle that was one of them little escorts, you know, kind of a tempo topaz kind of a deal. Mercury made a topaz and, um, that was diesel, 11 gallons of fuel and, uh, had a Perkins diesel in it with a five speed transmission. I could average, and that was even going to California, I averaged 54 miles to the gallon. And I told the family that was with me at the time, uh, members, I said, we're not stopping to go to the bathroom until we get fuel.
3: And then he laughed to himself. Because there was no stopping. (laughs) (laughs) We'll
2: We'll stop tomorrow, boys. Don't pee yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this thing literally will just go and go and go and go and go. I changed my mind about stopping for fuel. I said, no, we'll stop in between when we're halfway. Okay? So is,
3: is it the same deal with heavy equipment then? Like that That's it has a lot of fuel efficiency?
2: Well, depending upon the emissions, you know what I mean? They're, they're, there's, different, there's different types of uh, builds for injectors um, that put that fuel into your cylinders. And they can either overload your cylinders and still give you power, but it, it'll smoke more. You know what I mean? Or they can make it efficient and you can get better efficiency. Uh, some motors, are, and, um, and I say motors because they're designed differently, the way the duration of the cam lets the exhaust out and the air is intake in. And their duration will turn up or down your power as well through the way it's designed, from valving and cams and pistons and so on and so forth. Well, if you turn that so it's you need, you got your rev, that's what you need for a pump, right? You don't necessarily need your power power rev. You just need your rev. And you can run an excavator and everything else, no problem, or a skid steer. And it will bring your fuel efficiency considerably less than you would um, if you uh, had everything turned up. So you're really pushing hard, and, and she's going to smoke. I think the
0: biggest reason they use diesel, right, is just because they're so heavy, and the diesel engines
2: can handle that better. The than, torque produced well, in you, low end. Yeah, it's, it comes down to torque, but um what happens is it's just like your 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 air intake, okay? If you put your hand in front of a of a gas engine with air intake on let's say like a 350 size, it wouldn't suck your hand in. You'd choke your engine out somewhat. You follow me? Yeah. So if you do it on a diesel, it'll tear the skin off your hand. You might lose your your hand might go in there. Yeah. I mean that's how much more vacuum it has on a diesel engine, but it's got that much more power as well. Because you have to remember something in fuel, you start talking about fuel, and, and this is kind of we're getting into a little deep here. But going <laughs> oh, down the rabbit hole, let's you, see we're on that trail. you take uh, you take a low um, octane, um, but higher BTU fuel, and that would be let's say let's say diesel for example. The higher the power in diesel is the is the the bigger the number. So number one fuel will run in the winter because it's thin enough it, it's really you know it's it's thin you take a number five fuel you couldn't hardly it'd be like grease almost in the middle of the winter right so but which one has more power number five fuel has more power than number one it will last longer number five will than number one the
1: heat but, generated by number five is, is is higher and more consistent a diesel motor needs that heat
2: well, it, it's a combustion. So um, it, it, combustion means there's no spark plug in it. It it does it by combustion. So it pushes pressure is heat. Pressure is is your combustion. So once it hits a certain pressure point, it, poof, it'll poof, it blow. And that's when your pistons go down. So that's the way a diesel works. But they're, they're more complicated than electric, yes. So what when you talk about diesel engines, what's a glow plug? The glow plug is to heat the cylinder up so when she comes to that compression, uh. it doesn't take as much compression... As it does when it's cold. I see. So, for the most part, glow plugs are really only used when it's cold outside. I see. Yeah. Because of your low octane in the fuel, mm-hmm. right? So, it's not as thin, so it's heavier. And, and by the way, the only thing that really uses number five fuel is trains, wood, airplanes, wood. Did you know airplanes run off from diesel fuel?
3: I thought it was jet fuel.
1: Jet fuel's base, I believe, is diesel.
2: Yeah. Mm. And it's the way it sprays it in because, um, an air fuel ratio is done by so many parts air, so many part fuel. Okay. So air fuel ratio is 15 to one, 15 to one. So you got 15 parts to one air. Okay. Or 15 air to one part of fuel. And that's your support of your combustion. A lot of people don't think about it. I mean, even just like right now, it's snowing or raining out, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about snow or rain, how many how much percent of humidity is in the air? Percent, forty to fifty, probably close to a hundred if it's raining. Oh <laughs> yeah yeah. So if you were at hundred percent humidity in the air, just think about if you were hundred percent fuel in the air in this in this in this area right here, <laughs> because that's the area you're talking about. Hundred percent fuel would be plumb full, right? Oh, but it could be if you did a complete, what we call a air fuel mixture, it would be dry because, um, fuel will not drop out of suspension if it's dried in the air. Like right now, the air with the, with the water in it is it's dry. You know, I mean, you can, your hands aren't, they're not dry, dry, but they're wet. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, but they're not sopping wet. So the air fuel is the same way for an engine as it is for the air that you're sitting outside. I see. Different deal, right? But we didn't do so good on staying on topic. <laughs> we'll try better next
1: time.
3: <laughs> no, I think we're perfectly on topic. Tangents are not going oh, off that's topic. right. That's right. I apologize. <laughs>
2: so, no, I think that, um, you know, the the Caterpillar, I just seen, the, they had a, a bigger one. It was a D, I believe a D9. That one, it had electric drive motors for the tracks. So, you know it's got more battery in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it does also have a diesel engine, but instead of going from a... Um, let's say of a, a six-cylinder diesel, they went down to a four-cylinder diesel. So they don't need nowhere near the power to generate the power to the batteries. Mm-hmm. And that right there tells you that, you know, it's like anything else. If you, um, you take the power off and you put load on a generator, what does it do? You'll see it smoke a little bit, and it turns up the power, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what happens at times when you have an inverter in there, just like on a generator. If you had a generator outside that you started up, and it's got an inverter on it, you plug into it, and you turn on a saw or drill or whatever you're doing, and it starts pulling from it, on, with an inverter, you won't get that rev up like you would on a, uh, a non-inverter generator. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you're getting more pulled because you're doing a straight juice drive from the motor to the right to the outlet there is no battery to hold the power so when you're charging a battery the battery has an inverter that takes the power off the battery to the outlet to the tool mm-hmm. yeah i think it
3: would make if you think about it, it actually makes things more efficient uh because like even if you had a diesel engine and a generator versus having a like a v12 diesel engine and no generator. It kind of reminds me of like a hybrid. Yeah, it's like a Prius. Yeah. It's almost like a Prius dozer. In,
2: in a way, you're, you're exactly right. And, and you I know. Cap, I don't think cat fans would appreciate no, that. No, probably not. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to have to deal with it. It's science, baby.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. but some
2: okay. of this stuff, you know, you start talking like a D11. <clears throat> a, a, a D11 machine. is is Holy huge. More. I mean, you start talking D11T. I mean, that's a, I mean, the cab on it looks like. Well, if you looked at this one, you know. As a dozer and a D11T, the cab would look like just that small on there compared to this cab here because yeah. the unit's so much bigger, you don't need that big of a cab on it. And now just think if they went autonomous with it. Don't even need a cab up on top anymore, do you? <laughs> just put that baby right on there and go, go, go. So, and I think that, you know, when they start running autonomous, I think it's, you know, guys like you and you that basically start the programming hey, I can run this with my phone. <laughs> yeah. As long or, as I have the or sit at home on a computer
3: simulator thing where you're running everything from some joysticks on the computer. It'd be a bad day if somebody hacked your system.
2: Well, it'd be a bad day if you had somebody that built the <laughs> system <did>. that could <laughs> be hacked. <laughs> right? Yeah. It'd be a bad day if it happened in general. <laughs> <laughs> well no, because when they do something like that, you just it shuts down and then you just do is revert into a new um, administration to go into it into a different program. I mean it wouldn't be the end of the world and somebody's gonna sit there and hack on one guy's little deal. They're like, Really? It's not like you're gonna have a motherboard of ten thousand units that you're running off from like we do some of these websites and stuff like this, right? Who, who
3: knows really? I mean like you never know. Cat could make their systems where it's like some like centralized system that goes through them and it could be a it could Somebody's be a whirlwind absolutely. of problems.
1: Something, well, something like the security system problems. I mean, I would never hope for anything like that, and I hope that it runs smoothly. Don't get me wrong; I don't mean to project that sort of mentality into anybody's head. No, you have to but, think about it, though. But I just yeah. mean that it's it's well, a you thought, have. especially when you go with everything and everything is com- software. So that's 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 a risky run with software. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: and security mm-hmm. is never an off and on switch. So, you, I mean, it's foolhardy for any company to think that they are just they're impenetrable. You know, there's certain measures you can take to prevent and mitigate, as we call it, problems. But you can never be 100% sure.
2: But, you know, I I really see it as, you know, having a job shack pulled out to the site and you have maybe six monitors on it, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can have... Uh, It's all a
3: localized system.
2: Right, it'd be localized, and then you'd have it mapped out just like you would a game or something, Mm -hmm. and it would be all mapped out because right now they're doing that anyways with GPS and everything, right? Mm -hmm. So they'd lay that mapping right into your computer. You would push and say, okay, I want this to go up to here and then stay here for so many until it feels the load. Once it feels that load, it'll take off and go and dump it over there. Once it dumps that load, then it'll come on back, and it could go forward or backwards. So, you know, it maybe wouldn't turn around. It would just go reverse. Right. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not, you're losing time. You know, just like kind of the deal like UPS did. I, I watched that deal and I, 3-1-6-6. and I talked to them and I said, they always dropped off to the right. And I said, why do you guys do that? They said, because you're crossing traffic to the left, you're losing time. Time is money. Time's money. Right. That's right. So they, every time they took off, they would t- take to the right and they would pull off and they would do their, uh, you know, their deliveries. So it was kind of cool the way they did their routing and everything else. And I think I, I look at it the same way that, you know, when you're running a dozer or loader or excavator or whatever you're doing and you're putting it in a job site, you know, you've got the same process and procedures, but now it's run by a program, mm-hmm. right? And you and kind of cut the optimal.
3: human error. You yeah. cut, cut human error out of it too.
2: As long as you've got a good programmer. Yeah, that's true, too.
3: Well, it's yeah, well, computers easy. only do what they're told, so... <laughs> Mm-hmm. again kind of the programmer <laughs> yeah. <It's kind> of <laughs> or even I mean like if you, if you think about it though if the, if the programmer or somebody makes a program that lets like a architect put in their plans or something similar where it's like you, the program just you tell you're telling it what to do mm-hmm. and if you say grade it minus six feet or I don't even know how that shit works but I'm sorry you're gonna have to bleep that one Evan no it but um, sorry, right. you know if, if you have a a system that accepts like a architect's inputs and it's like, okay, you know, make it a specific whatever and they mess up, you know, there's there's still a little bit of human error in, in there. But instead of it being like multiple sets of human error, if you had four different operators doing four different things and they could each potentially make a problem or whatever... Or even have checks and balances built into it. and I mean, there's a lot of things to be talked about in that world, I think. But Does, all in all, I think it cuts a lot of the human error out of it and makes things more reliable.
0: Cat and Komatsu and all these heavy equipment companies come out with their own app so you can tell it what to do?
2: It would be Are standardized you, for sure. I mean, or do you, you
0: dot buy one for a specific purpose?
2: Well, you know, it here's the thing is there's like uh, right now there's a couple different types of GPS systems, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like that. So you can actually do is put that program, whatever program you're used to. So let's say that they sell, they sell a program that's called a Tremble. So if you have that as a GPS system, you would have your own program, and you would run it in that particular, on that particular piece of equipment that you're going to get. It doesn't matter if it's Cat or Komatsu or, or Daewoo or, or any of the other ones. It doesn't matter the piece of equipment. It's going to matter the program that you're running on the piece of equipment. GPS manufacturer. Because they're going to be doing the same thing, so so that that'll that would be it in a nutshell, I would say. Hmm. Well, so you guys want to uh, yeah, talk 64
3: a little bit?
0: Four million. What? The uh, sixty-four million. What? The sixty-four million what? <laughs> that uh. Built, built robots, robotics. Sixty-four well, that's million. Basically, what
3: we just talked about for twenty
2: minutes.
0: Yeah, but we didn't. Talk about these people specifically, $64 million.
2: Who's $64 million?
0: That built robotics. Oh,
2: you mean the money they allocated towards building robotics. Is that what you're saying? I mean, the company's name is Built, and they're the ones that got funded. The company's name is Built, but they got $64 million allocated to them to build a robotic attachable, right? Yeah. To a common type like, excavator or dozer or like an loader. Like auto drive box. They're called an auto drive. Wow.
0: Our autopilot
2: box is essentially what it is. Wow. So you mean to tell me that you've the seen it. So do we know what um, what kind of money it takes per, per unit now? But is the 64 million to build a bunch of them? Is that kind of the deal? I think
3: the research and development. And yeah,
2: it's just R&D. Wow. Boy guys, wouldn't you like to have 64 million to throw in R&D, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be phenomenal. 300 programmers make a big difference. Okay. <laughs> 300 we keep the 64 Maybe million. million, we just only need three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> it's specifically for that cap model. Yeah, so, well, you know, I mean, you know, just like us, you know, we, we sell equipment, right? Mm. And um, we had an auction yesterday, and, and in doing that, we, uh, you know, actually the market's high right now for used equipment because the new stuff, they're not getting the chips, they're not getting. The, um, the manufacturers to produce the units. So what happens to the used units? They go up in value. It's called supply and demand. If your supply is down here, your demand for it is here, your use prices are going to go up as well. And that's what's happened right now. The used prices on, on, on used equipment that typically, you know, I mean, I'm going to go back to this one example. It's pretty simple, is that you know, right now, the demand. we had a, a 972H wheel loader. You can look that up if you want to. And in the United States, those with 17,000 to 21,000 hours on them, that was the range that we had, these last three of them in our auction. And, and that was at auction, too. Um, they actually brought, they, they, they were market, the market on them was like between 50 and 60 grand, Okay. And that's what I told the guys. I said, 50 to 60 grand, that's been the market on them. So that's kind of where the United States market is, right? Well, um, because of our programming and we ditched it out to the global market, we found there was three people that got on that wanted to bid on these 972Hs. And the three people that wanted to, besides the other hundreds that wanted to in the United States, were from another three different countries. And um, over in that Egypt and Saudi Arabia and in those tech type areas. Yeah, they're worth a lot more out there. Well, we found that out. We did. We did. So, um, and and I'll just say it this way: the cheapest one went for ninety thousand five hundred, and the most expensive one on those three. Remember, they're seventeen thousand to twenty one thousand hours on them. Went to ninety six thousand five hundred. Now they still had to pay a buyer's premium, which is five percent on them, and they have to ship them completely across the world over there. so Atlantic. Yeah. I mean, unreal. They got to get across the world.
3: You <laughs> know? They, really need, they must really need that equipment. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and that's what I'm saying is that this world, if you think it's huge, it's not really that huge. I mean, because look what they're buying from. I mean, this is a little, we're, we're in a pretty royal area, aren't we, out here? No. I mean, we're not sitting in a a downtown big city, you know, on a shipping port in a shipping port. No, No. we're out in the country. We're, we're way out there, but you know, we have more safety here because we don't have everybody coming in from that don't know anything or that want to steal something or whatever. And, And hopefully they don't, I mean, it's not everywhere they do that, of course, but it happens, right? People steal. People do. But, um, you know, those, uh, that's been our blessing as far as, uh, you know, with the used equipment world where it's been going up because of supply and demand.
0: Isn't that why you guys quit selling, like, uh, like tractors and stuff? People are stealing the wires out of them?
2: Tractors? Yeah, like,
0: uh, like you know, big John Deere uh, tractors. And
2: no. 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 Matter of fact, um, we went from everybody bringing their equipment here and us running across a ramp, a viewing ramp, and people seeing it, we and bidding on it. We have a auctioneer, you know, over the top, and yeah. we got ringmen that are down over the side that are basically, you know, taking bids. We went completely to a simicast where you can consign from anywhere in the world, and you can also buy from anywhere from in the world. Different states and everything. Yeah, in different states, and it's been phenomenal because it's it's made things easier for everybody. We do have a process and procedure you know in doing that of course so we protect buyers and our sellers so and it's and it's worked it's worked well Mm -hmm. but how do you think uh like
0: electric heavy equipment's going to affect the auction industry
2: well let's i always put it this way that um you know if you look back at the egyptians they were selling um, you know, goods off back then. You know that was might have been their the the royalty. You know things that got sold off, but they kept it within royalty, so they sold it off. Well, we're in the equipment world, so I mean we don't call ourselves royalty, but we kind of like to, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we're handling the big equipment. We know the people that use the equipment. We understand the people when it comes to their um, their abilities of what they can or can't do, or what they will or won't do. So I'm going to say that. If the, if the piece of equipment lasts longer and um, they're still going to have to have people that maybe retire or people that maybe pass away, you know, or somebody that, you know, sells the business out and they don't want to use this type of equipment. And we're the resource when it comes to that. So are we going to have a problem with that? I'm going to say no. <laughs> I think uh, just
3: more expensive items. Well, yeah, they
2: I may mean. be or maybe not. You know, they might even be cheaper because they might be able to make them more reasonable or whatever. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Time to, time will tell.
0: Yeah. Um, I was just thinking like I wonder if it's going to go well with the uh, you know, the community, like the heavy equipment,
1: the operator team. Yeah. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot, well, throwing them out of the seats. I got a feeling there's going to be some rejections. You're going to have arguments that a computer can't anticipate what a human being can. A human being can do things with a machine that a, that a computer just, it doesn't have thought patterns necessarily. I mean, don't get me wrong, software can absolutely get rhythms and different things like that. But, but um, you, you'll you hear that. You'll, you'll hear the arguments. Like the Tesla in the
0: semi- Incident. I don't know if you guys have seen that.
3: Oh yeah, replacing Holland jobs
0: or what? No, or there was a, a semi that, that was flipped over, and the Tesla didn't stop. It just smoked the trailer because so it wasn't used to seeing a trailer flipped over on the highway.
2: Yeah. So the sensors
0: weren't reacting. Yeah, because it's never seen it before.
2: Oh well, you know you're going to get some of that learning. You know, I mean it's no different. You'd getting up and starting to run. You know, by with your feet, you're going to. Have you seen anybody else crash into stuff with didn't, didn't have a Tesla? All the time, yeah. Yeah, probably more so than you're going to find with the Tesla deal. You know, they're going to have more safety features on them than you're going to have on a regular vehicle, right? Yeah. So, you know, even I,
3: even I... when you fall asleep and it's, oh, uh, I'm <laughs> going around a curve and I'm all asleep. Oh, well, it's just going to... It's kind of going the
1: gonna same to fall, yeah. Whatever. I mean, not that truck drivers that ever look at their phones or anything, because I know that people that drive regular vehicles never look at their phones, but... No more rumble strips.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, when it comes down to that, you're, you're still going to have fatalities. And, you know, if you've got it all autonomous, how many fatalities are you going to have? You're going to have crashes, but you're going to have fatalities? No. You're not going to be in the vehicle. And nice. you're talking about the people with semi-drivers or truck drivers, just getting less and less of them, you know. And, you know, you're going to have some that say, hey, I want to drive. Well, go in and drive. I mean, and you know, also
3: the computer isn't going to get a lead foot out of nowhere and want to start past, and it's just going to go at a nice, consistent pace as it's supposed to and just go down the road.
2: Well, you know, you might have to turn her up a little bit and have an express lane or something because those, some of them semis will do 200 mile an hour. And, you know, if you don't have, and if you've got good, uh, you know, visual on it and everything else, and nobody else is in the lane, you'll probably be okay. You got deadline of four hours.
0: And you can start the going computer, 100 right now. The, the <laughs> computer's like, I, I think, need to I, go
1: fast. I'm the creatives. Uh, semi's that can operate on the Autobahn without
2: slowing everybody down. That's a good thing. Yeah. But you know, the other thing you got to think about it is that why do they put speed limits on on vehicles or in town or anything else? It's because people are crossing or people are are in the area. You're you're endangering people. So if you get people out of the equation, what's going to happen then? Nobody's going to care. I'm gonna... Kick her down. Let's go, guys. That's very strong opinions
0: on this topic. Um. We don't have an Autobahn <laughs> in this country, and it's disgraceful, okay?
2: Yes, we do. We have it out in Montana. Just to don't to Montana. You can That's, go for yeah.
3: miles and see nobody. That's the problem, though, is, is we should have a highway system where we can go as fast as we want, just like the Europeans have, where you have okay. to have a special license to get on so, it and
2: so, such. So let me uh, let me clue you in. Super so once we do this autonomous... The autonomous was speeding, not you. So therefore, you can do the Autobahn.
3: Oh. But what if they really say, the okay, the out. autonomous can't go over the speed limit, just like a regular person?
2: But again, where's the speed limit? If you get on the right track, you're not an Autobahn, you would be able to hit her down and get on and get going. I don't think Logan wants to wait. Now, here's the one thing, too, yeah, you got to think batteries. about, <laughs> is even if you're bringing more power, you're using more power, that means you have less distance you can go with those batteries, right? Debatable.
3: Because if you're going faster at a consistent pace, a consistent just a pace you're more charge from home by the Bing. Right? Same the thing batteries. with a gas powered car, like the, the faster you go, you could argue you're burning more fuel, but as long as you get into a higher gear and drop the RPMs, you're moving faster and being more efficient.
2: I guess I'd have to see the racial degree or disagree with that.
3: I mean, also like,
0: you know, when you're in a car, when you're in your car, it charges your battery. That's how it works.
3: In an electric yeah, but the car, faster you go in a car, it doesn't really matter because it's all dependent on the RPM of the engine.
2: Well, I think they're gonna be coming up with um, you know, on the hubs. So just think about this. If you could build in the hubs, the wheels are turning, right? They're on the ground. They could be generators in the hubs that would generate those batteries when you're going down the road, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't need as much. And how is that gonna work? Well, there's there's a lot of ways that you can take coils and magnets and lay them in and start turning them just like an alternator and in a wheel, and it wouldn't do that much draw where it would pull that juice back in and put it in the battery. I've been thinking about that. Yeah, we got to. It's basically
3: it. the concept of perpetual motion, I think. But Tesla um, has something like that already. A
2: oh, bit. they've been thinking about it too, huh? Where you yeah, slow wondering. down,
3: it, it does it. That's yeah, a that's in their braking. Yeah, in the braking.
2: Because you're not accelerating, you're not taking it's from it. When you're accelerating, they don't want to draw from it.
1: I keep thinking of I saw a meme where there's
2: an older style. I
1: keep trying not to put in any any company names anywhere. There's an older style of the electric vehicle that would have a battery. When oh, Chevy it. <laughs> it came out with a Volt at first, it didn't. it didn't. Doesn't recharge itself, and then I saw people would make adapters which were very rudimentary. That they would put a sprocket on their wheel, and then the drive chain that would go to a basically come back to a generator that would regenerate into the batteries mm-hmm. because those vehicles wouldn't do it themselves. Yeah, because well, that was the just beginning a poor design. of design. Well, it was at the beginning of everything, kind yeah,
3: of. So, I mean, yeah. you're always losing energy though, because you know, yeah, I mean, you're not gonna nor destroyed, so you're always gonna have to.
0: You're always gonna be losing. Yeah, it, but it makes it less yeah,
3: less loss because mm-hmm. eventually you're going to run out. Even if it's getting 75 well, percent of the power back to the batteries, now losing 25 percent. But yeah. it w- looked
2: like like nuclear fusion, though. I
3: am all for putting nuclear reactors in cars. I am going to throw that out there right <laughs> now. Well,
2: <laughs> they're very well. Okay. Held, so I mean, you know, there's a lot of it's ways to the looking. waste. So, we might as well just see if we can. And, and the battery.
3: more practical application would be in equipment and Wait, things like what? that. Or they even got them in ships these days too. That yeah, they're nuclear. Yeah, and um and and that's that's where I see the state of all of these industries going in the far distant future is, you know, we'll you you'll have a tiny little box that's barricaded a thousand different times wow. and it's a nuclear reactor and that's what's powering and then you don't even have to worry about recharging yeah. nuclear
2: power i think that um tesla was talking about that before that they were going to build boxes that you could actually move in and you could set up camp for the army or navy or whoever in a site in two days or a day versus weeks mm-hmm. and they could do it by having a nuclear reactor that they take with them and set it right up and they got all their with power button and it started generating power everything right there and they're talking about that taking it to mars as well so i think that when you look at it i think a vehicle. You know, if you had a cylinder this big that would do, you know, run for eight years, and you know, and it was nuclear. I mean, how good would that be? You know, amazing. that'd be amazing. You know, that would be great fuel mileage. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> last time you filled up a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. All
1: right, All right we're so running out of time years. here. Okay. So let's talk about
0: the big hitters on the auction this last.
2: Oh, on like the last yesterday. auction we had, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we've had some really good ones. I, I tell you the truth. I was talking to a gentleman today. Uh, it was on a 06 uh, ASV. It was an RC85. And that's a skid loader type unit, you know, on tracks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I kind of told him, I says, what, you know, what kind of money were you kind of hoping for? And, and he says, well, you know, uh, I'd like to see, you know, somewhere's in the low 20s, you know what I mean, out of it. And I always ask the guys just to see where their pulse is on them, you know, not saying they're going to put anything on it or bit, you know what I mean, that kind of a deal. Um, and I told him, I said, yeah, I said, you should be seeing somewhere around 24 on that unit. You know, that's where it should be. Well, it ended up bringing $31,500. The guy was like, ah, <laughs> great, you know. So it was it was really good. Um, I have some other ones that basically the guy is a uh, uh, 950G that we had on the auction. Well, that 950G was a 06 model and it had uh, like $13,600 on it. And kind of told him it was going to be in the low 30s on it. Well, I was kind of wrong. She brought $55,000. <laughs> it's good to be
3: wrong and high. Yeah, and yeah, a little yeah. wrong yeah. in that
2: one. Had another one. I had a 1984 950B. This thing was actually sold off-site again, just like this other one. And uh, I said, you know, those units there were a fifteen dollars to $18,000 unit. You know, it's a 1984 model, you know. And uh, it ended up bringing thirty one thousand five hundred. The foreign market kind of likes these, though. Let's say it was that sold, and that actually was probably half reasonable in the foreign market. Mm-hmm. Is that where so, it sold at? Pardon?
0: It sold overseas?
2: Yeah, I mean that you know that's exactly. So, and also we had some other ones that you know that. Um, that kind of hit the mark here that uh, I thought were kind of cool was there's a D6 D6N. it was a 04 model. This one was up offsite, of course, too. 13,000 hours on it. And um, we told them that it would be in the mid thirties as well, because, you know, hours and, you know, you, repairs and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it ended up bringing $54,500. It's good money. So we, we made some of our, our sellers uh, really some good money. Um, we've had, uh, we've had some good sellers in the, uh, in the underground world, we had a fift- 2015 Vermeer. It was a, uh, a D 24 by 40 series two. And this thing here should have been somewhere around a $60,000 deal and it brought 77,000. So, um, so there, there's, there was some good, uh, good jargon going on there. We had a 2013 ditch, Witch there was a RT 80 quad track, quad track. And, um, we told him that it was going to bring somewheres around 50. It ended up bringing 52.5. So, you know, we typically can hit the market on them and everything else, but you know, this market's kind of volatile when it comes to some of that stuff, because, you know, you don't know because somebody else says, you know, I need it. I need it tomorrow. And next guy says, I need it too. So guess what happens in the market then?
3: They both all need it. And now that it's going up supply and demand
2: competition starts. Yeah. Competition <laughs> starts. So So, I mean, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, we've had uh, with even the auction of of semis and semi trailers and loaders and dozers and, um, you know, pickups and trailers. It's just it's been crazy. Uh, You know, we get new attachments in here and and typically last uh, last last year at this time, those attachments on the grapples, they're brand new, you know, but they come some come from across. They make them over in China and they build them and they bring them here and sell them. And also we have some that are from the United States that come in here as well. And um, typically those are probably eleven to $1,200 grapples, you know, here on the auction. And uh, we averaged, uh, I believe it was right at $1,600 a grapple. So, but irons went up a little bit too, but it's or been good. When you said the demand's high. Yeah, I mean, the demand's <laughs> there. I mean, we know the market's there, but the demand's there as well. So, I mean. You know, if, you know, like when you're saying that, you know, how do you think you're going to do in the auction market when we go to autonomous or electric vehicles and stuff? I don't think it's going to really affect the um, the auction or the retail sales part of it as much as it is going to affect people's change and what they need to do to move towards that. All
3: Not everything that we want to talk about. So now where can, like send us away, right? where can
0: they, hold on, where can they bid? If they want to go to an auction?
2: Well, if they want to go to an auction, they want to do a heavy equipment, truck trailer auction they can go to www.iraymn.com that's iraymn.com um, there's a lot of ways to get there and uh, just google it or put it right in your browser but at the same time uh, you know I want to thank you guys for coming out here today and and having this uh, little uh, a podcast and uh, we're going to be doing more in the future right and again uh, my name is Ray Henry from Hello.
0: where can they oh, where can else? they catch the live stream
2: Oh, golly. They can go right to Facebook for the live stream, right? Yep. If we go to Facebook for the live stream. Just go to iRay Auctions or i Companies, and um, you can go for the live stream. You can watch the auction live all through the day if you like. Turn it on your phone and, and let it play and just put it in your pocket. You can listen to the auctioneers. It's kind of like a song because <laughs> we're all kind of singing, you know. It's and a these, cool deal. These beautiful hats right here. We got all kinds of stuff we give away to our customers, all kinds of hats and and, uh, you know, of all shapes, all sizes, you know, if you're kind of a, a winter bird, we get you a winter hat. It's incognito. You're out, you can get if a... you're a hunter, if you are a hunter, you can go hunting hat. We got those too. So we hand them out. We don't sell them. If you call in and say, hey, can I get one? Well, we're going to ask you if you want to be a part of a buying team or something like that to do that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we do appreciate people. We're going to have some different ways of giving you some give- giveaways as well. So, but it's all good. That's everything.
3: That's a dozer. So again, Hey <laughs> Henry
2: from IRA companies and, uh, Evan, send us away.